Litigation Psychology Podcast brought to you by Courtroom Sciences. I'm Dr. Bill Kanaski here with trucking attorney Mark Perkins. Mark, how are you over in Louisiana? Things are pretty well. The weather's a little bad looking out there right now. It looks like you have some weather issues as well, but uh, really the problem is getting through COVID-19. That's our big struggle right now. Yeah, I think that's a big struggle for everyone. And I know a lot of the state laws have been, been changing on reopening. What, what's the current status over there in, in Louisiana? The last, well, let's see, the governor opened things up partially on Friday, uh, May 15th. The Supreme Court came out with a new order regarding court matters. Um, that's going to be a little complicated for us. We're not supposed to have a, a settings, jury trial or, or criminal or civil until the end of June. Uh, we're having some issues regarding hearings as well. Some of the courts are limiting access to the courthouses. Um, some of them are, well, uh, many of them are requiring that you that you have your temperature taken. Can you imagine what that's gonna be like? It's already difficult to get in the courtroom as it is, to get in a courthouse as it is. Yeah. Then they're gonna have the process of everybody having their temperature taken and being turned away if they have a high temperature then you have all the issue of um, you know, uh, social distancing within the courtroom. Some of the judges individually are requiring that matters be set at different times of the day so they can limit the number of people in the courtroom. Well, that makes sense. It also sounds like a, a circus of sorts. That's, uh, that's, that's gonna happen. So I told you to wear your school colors. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I don't follow the Zoom uh, dress code, but I went with the Carolina blue and you went with the- uh, That's LSU colors. I got this as well, if that, if that makes me dress down a little bit. That, uh, that's perfect. I, f I feel a lot better. I would not like to run into LSU in a, a football game, but I, th I think basketball maybe. Uh, I think the Tar Heels may be able to take you. I don't know about that. you got to remember, you remember, you wait a minute, you got to remember that Shaquille O'Neal uh, went to LSU. Now, of course, that's, that's, that's quite a 140 years ago. <laughs> right, but still, baseball, basketball, football, we're pretty, we're pretty good for LSU, okay? Well, you, de you definitely have some serious bragging rights. Let's talk about the trucking industry. Um, I, know you're, I know you're very active in it. And how do you grade, I guess, on an A through F uh, grading scale, the trucking industry's response to COVID-19 as far as the public messaging that, quite frankly, they should really be taking advantage of right now? I'm, I'm really excited about some of the things that are being done. Uh, I believe LMT, the Louisiana Motor Transportation Association is really has done a, a lot in that regard with some in uh, kind of like industrial or institutional type um, uh, advertising, some publicity that's going on in that regard. They've even convinced some of the, what I call billboard attorneys to limit ah. the um, advertisements against trucking, uh, uh, trucking, the trucking industry. Although some of them are kind of backing off of that as we're moving out of the, uh, shelter in place, but the fact of the matter is, as we all know, that the trucking industry is, you know, brings in the medicine, the food, the toilet paper, you name it, and people need it, and uh, they're getting a lot of, uh, they're getting a lot of mileage out of that, and, uh, but in, in a good way, I don't, I don't think they're trying to uh, use the, this tragic situation, uh, I just think that they're doing what they've always done, and people are seeing how vital they are to the economy. That's a really good point. And I hope that the trucking industry as a whole can come together and, and to continue to uh, push those positive messages going forward. 
we've done several podcasts um, on uh, on the series uh, for trucking that we're publishing in May, trying to make May Trucking Month. And the one question that I get worn out with is how is COVID-19 going to impact uh, jury decision-making and jury behavior? That's a valid question. No one really knows yet. Uh, several of my colleagues think that it actually could get more it could get worse before it gets better because of all the negativity in society with the stay-at-home orders, people getting laid off, people getting furloughed, uh, severe economic problems. Then just the general anxiety of a pandemic is not going to help jury decision-making. But a question I have for you, I've not asked any of my guests. No. Can, 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 how do you think COVID-19 and the trucking industry's response, can that affect the bench at all? And, and I, I love your thoughts on how judges see the industry or how they saw it and do you think some of these th great things that the trucking industry has done may kind of sway the judges maybe more on your side? I don't know. Uh, I'll tell you one of the things that's being done right now in Louisiana, we're making some legislative changes. And really, this is our best opportunity to make some changes, I think, this year. One of the things that is being done here in Louisiana is to, um, is to allow for jury trials um, more a more opportunity for jury trials right now in Louisiana in order to get a jury trial the jurisdictional amount has to be greater than fifty thousand uh, dollars so one of the things that has happened over the years is you have municipal courts um, with a jurisdictional limit of thirty five or fifty thousand dollars and those are elected judges and frankly, some of them, many of them are former plaintiff's attorneys uh, and they have their, their group that uh, they somewhat also hold to. And so uh, uh, what would happen is a claim that is relatively uh, small uh, would become all of a sudden a thirty-five dollars to $45,000 claim per plaintiff. And one of the issues that's being addressed here is to allow for more jury trials at a lower jurisdictional amount. Now, they've changed it to, uh, or they're suggesting that it be a $5,000 jurisdictional amount. And I need to say this real quickly, that is not to say that they're mandated. A jury trial is, is in no way mandated, but it would be allowed for if someone wanted to have it. But right now, if, they, if someone says, well, I'm limiting the value of this claim to less than $50,000, you're, there's no way that you can get a jury trial. So that gets you back and you're, you're mandated in those kind of cases of being in front of a, wow. in front of a judge. And, I, you know, I mean, it is what it is that many of the judges are former plaintiffs bar members, and they tend to be a little bit more biased toward the personal injury side of things. So your question is, well, how will things change in terms of bench trials because of COVID-19, because of the issues that we've dealt with, with the, with the uh, trucking industry doing as well as they have? You know, it's going to help but I, it, for, for, and it over, over some period of time, but I think it's better for us to have opportunities to present our cases to a jury. And I'm... I have a lot of colleagues, a lot of uh, judges that I have the utmost respect for, and even those who are more on the plaintiff-oriented side, I have a tremendous amount of respect for them, but they do tend to be a little bit heavy-handed uh, against the trucking industry. I mean, 
it is what it is. I, I, there's no way we can get around it. So going forward and to stay on the topic of uh, judges, do you think going forward because of the circus that you described with reopening courtrooms, do you think that the jury selection process either gets lengthened because of COVID-19? Because obviously you're going to have to ask new questions you have never asked about before in Vordir, right? Or because of the logjam <laughs> um, of cases that's going to form, does the bench shorten jury selection to try to get it, try to get the system back up to speed? What, what's your prediction in that matter? Well, uh, of course, you know, in federal court, they yeah. federal courts limit it's an hour. Uh, questions you can ask. So, you know, you're, that, that's a different issue. But I will say that many, many times that when I'm, you know, a case is uh, filed in, uh, depending on the parish, remember Louisiana's parish is not counties, it's the same thing. But depending on the parish that it's filed in, I, and if I can, if there's diversity in the amount of controversy, I'll try to move to federal court, even though jury selection is not as uh, robust in the federal court system. In the state court system, most of the judges are will give you a, a tremendous amount of latitude to ask a lot of questions. So yes, I think that what that's what's going to do, what's going to happen is that we are going to have more opportunities to ask a lot of questions about COVID, how people feel being in the courtroom. I, I, you know, one of the things I, I was thinking about real quick, I, just just the courtroom proceeding itself, the veneer. You know, usually we have forty or fifty people in the veneer. Then they put 12 or six or whatever in the jury box. Well, that's all going to change, right? Because yeah. there's going to yeah. have to be some social distancing between those folks. Very good point. They're going to limit how many people are going to come in in the veneer over a period of time. So that's probably going to be lengthened as well, Bill. That, that's that's going to be very interesting on in how that works out. Um, a very unique question that really you're one of very few people that can that can answer. And again, it's it's kind of unfair because I'm asking you to make a prediction. But since you've been through something like this, you know, the state of Louisiana, and there's been some other handfuls of states that have gone through some pretty terrible natural disasters in the last five to ten years. What impact does COVID have COVID nineteen have on an area like yours in which you, you've kind of already been through terrifying, terrible things, right? In other words, does COVID-19, does, do the jurors say like, come on, you know, look at what we've been through, or does it, does it make them maybe even, even more uh, on, on the negative? What are your thoughts and kind of your experiences kind of post-hurricanes, how that's impacted your jury pool? Because other, I think other states are kind of in the same boat, but you guys are definitely in the top five. Well, sure. Well, let me give you an example. First of all, when when Hurricane Katrina came through in 2005, now what people don't re remember or keep in mind, there was also Hurricane Rita that happened that affected the southwestern portion more than the southeastern portion of the state. And what unfortunately happened is because the, in that particular arena of the state, they were typically more conservative. But because of some of the things that happened and the way some of the insurance companies handled those claims, uh -huh. some of those folks were, became less conservative, more anti-insurance, okay? Um, and, and that's one of the issues that we deal with. Also, people have to keep in mind, Louisiana is extremely culturally different. 
Yes. South Louisiana versus North Louisiana. It, it, we have a completely, it, it's almost like two different states. We don't talk the same. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the great majority of the population is in the New Orleans area, Baton Rouge, Lafayette, kind of along the, what we call the I-10 corridor, which is from Houston on the southern portion, where, where myself, I'm on the northwestern side. We're actually closer to Dallas than we are to New Orleans here. This is the I-20 quarter, the I-49 quarter. And so the cultural differences between North and South Louisiana makes a huge difference. So I think that what is happening is a lot of the cases with COVID-19 are in South Louisiana, just because it's a, a great amount of the population. Yeah. Um, a lot of the issues that happen with, you know, after Mardi Gras and the people that were sort of so congested down in New Orleans and they you know, came out of that area I think they're really, really tired of the whole situation and, and ready to move forward on it. And they typically get impacted by the hurricanes worse than we do in North Louisiana. So I think that down there, there'll be a little bit more, a little bit different, but they may be maybe a little more nonchalant about it. Whereas in North Louisiana, not so much. We would be a little bit more cautious about it um, and have some more concerns and some issues that we could address in uh, jury selection. I think many people are interested um, in, in areas, uh, well, I'm in Florida, so, you know, we've been getting pounded by hurricanes the last couple of years, too, is if there is a trucking accident that that is not a catastrophic injury or death, but more of a soft tissue thing, do jurors become less sympathetic saying, you know, really, you're actually going to bring a lawsuit after everything we've just been through um, versus do they get more punitive in nature because of that insurance issue? I will tell you this, Mark, when we got hit um, by one of the hurricanes a couple of years ago, I had roof damage and the insurance adjuster came out, who actually works for a large insurance company who's one of my clients. So it's kind of awkward, right? And I've got my roofers telling me, you know, you need a new roof. This is going to be $30,000. And my, and the insurance guy is like, well, you know, I've got seven grand for you. I, I, be, I became pretty anti-insurance very quickly. And I think, you know, when you go through something like that, definitely re regardless of how strongly defense you are, you, you can change your mind uh, pretty quickly. Uh, another topic to kind of wrap up here, Mark, and as you know all too well, the topic of nuclear verdicts, it has really um, hammered the trucking industry and transportation uh, companies uh, significantly. Uh, particularly recently, and you see a lot of uh, articles and news stories about th those awards. And, you know, we're doing everything we can at Courtroom Sciences to help our clients um, try to uh, put an end to those, or at least to mitigate those and bring them down. The plants as far has become very aggressive, particularly with the reptile uh, theory folks. Uh, can you describe to me, because I think one of the key areas of nuclear verdicts, if not the top area, are the failure of trucking witnesses, meaning drivers, safety directors, corporate representative, you know, getting reptiled, usually in deposition and on video, and then that ends up in the courtroom. Can you tell me personally how you deal with that? So when you're preparing witnesses to, to try to address these things early, because as you know, once those reptile attorneys sink their fangs into your case, it's, it's really hard to recover. You're right. Yeah, it absolutely. And I, I experienced this several years ago, um, not in the trucking industry, but I was defending um, a local uh, a camp, a, a youth camp that yeah. someone got injured there. And someone out of Houston started using the 
the reptile theory, you know, the needlessly endangering yep. type of questions and such. And I wasn't real familiar with it at that time, and I became more familiar with it, the multitude of information. You know, I got the book, right? <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got all the stuff, right? There it is. I got all, all of the information. I try to learn as much as I can from the enemy. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, what we try to do now is deal with it early on, particularly in claims dealing with negligent hiring, supervision, those because that, that's really where they're trying to go yeah. against the trucking company independently. And if we can get vicarious liability acknowledged, then we're doing a better job of being able to get those other types of claims out of the way. But as far as how you go about it, how to, it's, it's, it's a lot of education. You know, I start early on with meeting the drivers, meeting the safety personnel. I start talking about these issues, making them aware of what the reptile is. I had some uh, uh, a case in North Louisiana. I was helping somebody from South Louisiana. He had not even heard of the reptile theory. This has been three or four years ago. How is that possible? I was, surprised, <laughs> I was shocked that he hadn't heard about it. But then someone was bringing it up in a hearing and he told me about it later. And he said that, you know, the judge said, yeah, there won't be any discussion about alligators or snakes <laughs> or anything like that. And it was like that they were, and I, and I think he was serious. <laughs> they missed the point. Uh, but, but trying to do these motions in limine, trying to deal with protective orders early on, trying to get, get that kind of information from being discovered initially. But then, as you well know, I mean, going through the process of talking to the driver, going through the, the types, of, types of questions they're going to be asked. And I can't tell you how many times, Bill, that I've been through this where I would spend literally, you know, days and, and, and weeks in preparation, sending information in advance, talking on the phone, going through it in the day before, going through the process of asking the questions. And then they get in the deposition. Everything I told them not to do, they did. And everything I told them to do, they didn't do. And it, you know that stuff like that's just going to happen from time to time. But educating the judge, educating the the client on these issues—that's how we're going to make a change. I agree. And let me tell you, I don't let reptile attorneys reptile my witnesses. I've cracked that code, and uh, we've been doing a great job. And know the funny part about it—if you want to get something positive out of this—it absolutely makes the reptile attorney insane they start bouncing off the walls when they're not getting the yes, 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 I agree, I agree, I agree. And they're getting the, well, sometimes, not necessarily. You know, safety is one of the most important things, but it's not the number one thing. And they start getting these different answers. The wheels tend to come off pretty fast, and I, I, I kind of get a kick out of that. So. It's funny because they kind of don't know where to go when they don't get the answers that they were expecting. I know. Then the panic sets in. Well, Mark, let's wrap it up here. Thank you so much, yeah. Mark Perkins, for being on the podcast. We will definitely post this uh, during the month of May for our uh, Courtroom Sciences May Trucking Month. Be safe out there in Louisiana, and please keep in touch. I like writing articles for your group, and uh, yeah. let us know if you need anything. We appreciate it, Bill. Take care. Take care.